0: On the Empire Podcast this week, we kick down some doors and check out the live in play markets on the Sweeney. We hop on board with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Premium Rush and we peek through our fingers as we welcome the directors of Paranorman to our Parapod booth. Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast, the weekly movie podcast that saw Sir Sean Connery support Andy Murray at the US Open final and thinks, well, if you can do that, then he can bloody well make a film. Uh, as ever, and as you can hear, I'm joined by three of my learned and esteemed colleagues, starting with a lady who's going to Vegas on holiday in two weeks and if the movies have taught us anything is that nothing of any note has ever happened in Las Vegas Bit of a boring one, eh, Helen O'Hara?
1: Yeah, it's going to be totally awesome It's my first holiday in years There's going to be bears probably and like ravines and canyons and mountains and stuff as well
2: yeah. Are you going to recreate the final scene from Con Air?
1: Um, <laughs> um, yes I'm going to bring a bunny In a box Just so I can give it To a small child Randomly
2: And crush John Malkovich
1: And crush yeah. John Malkovich Do not head.
0: get punched By Mike Tyson That, that would not right. be a Avoid good Avoid Mike
1: Tyson Don't steal his tiger um, And try not to Let Zach Galifianakis Give me any drinks That might be spiked With something
2: Don't jump out of an airplane Dressed as Elvis
1: Okay and don't marry Ashton Kutcher And
2: do not accidentally Go to Rock Vegas instead oh, Don't that Don't do be, that That would be awful Don't drink yourself to death Either
1: well, it's quite hard when you're but, a teetotaler, but I'll try not but, to You
0: say that though, but there's a place in Vegas that they, they do gourmet burgers And uh, I'm teetotal as well Because, yeah. you know, we're probably the only two people in Northern Ireland who are teetotal Well, but, you know, uh, that's why they
1: kicked aside
0: Yeah, you are get out, get out But they they do alcoholic milkshakes, and you can't taste the alcohol Did you get caught on? No, I just had a sip, but come on, okay, I couldn't yeah, taste it because I can detect enough. it usually I'm like a shark, I can detect one part of alcohol in a million parts of water or something anyway um, next up was a man who was described as no less in my bud that's right my bud indeed the exact words yeah by the rock at The Rock In a tweet last week and if the movie To thought us anything Is that uh, His grisly demise Is imminent Which will send The Rock On a grief stricken Rampage of revenge It's Nick the Semlian
2: Hi Chris Yes it's true I've changed my name To The Pebble And um, <laughs> added my bud Or Bud of The Rock To my business card but No it was uh, It was a heady night uh, We were in a Surrey car park On the set of Fast 6
1: Hey
2: And uh, he was lovely and introduced me to his cousin who coined the phrase Thunderwear. (laughs) Well, I don't think he coined it. He's in the army and I think they use it in the army as some kind of... Is a rock aware of the film Thunderpants? I thought, yeah, did, we didn't get to the bottom is of that.
1: anyone aware of the film yeah Th- it's one of the Thunder films are,
0: um, my, one of my first ever said is for Empire Thunderpants it's about a kid who can yeah fart Rupert Grint right does, does Rupert Ruper Grint,
1: Grint even remember it is what I'm asking
0: I don't know but it's directed by a guy called uh, Peter Hewitt and I was ah. introduced to him on set and I went daddy and he just hated that he did that is <laughs> really that weird died. You do that yeah. you do that to a lot of movie stars I'll and directors that yeah that's why The Rock doesn't tweet me saying
2: you're <laughs> my bug like, daddy Marty daddy
1: <laughs> actually no The Rock did once call me his good friend and yours bud, mm. so mm.
2: more casual. Sort
1: of well, yeah, but I'm thinking term. we're a little bit like above these other two. Is what I'm thinking. Think so.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! Well, am I am I allowed not to care? No. But I have interviewed him, and we both agreed I was a very nice man. Aww. so there you go. Uh, next up it's a man who spent all Tuesday morning waiting for the plumber to fix his washing machine. And if the movies have taught us anything, it's that they probably had sex on
3: it. Hello, Ali Plum. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that just didn't happen. He didn't really, even, he didn't even fix my washing machine. So if really? we had had sex, it would have been on a broken,
2: not working washing machine. That would have been terrible. I'm disappointed, though. As Ali Plum, you don't do your own plumbing. <laughs> I I do, just not very well. Uh, as ever, we begin with the messages you've been writing on fragile
0: paper planes and winging in our cyberheads uh, at. License to Review says What movie should absolutely not Capitals Mm. He's angry about this Not suffer the indignity of a remake I'm going with Breakfast at Tiffany's now, I would say that does need a remake because of the incredibly racist Becky Rooney characters. <laughs> I would make it more racist. <laughs> I would not. Uh, yeah, I think I think a more racist breakfast at Tiffany's probably not a good idea.
2: They never did a sequel. Lunch at Tiffany's. Like, <laughs> they should have done that.
1: The other thing is that's nothing like the book. You know, Truman Capote complained at the time that Audrey Hepburn was completely wrong for the part of Holy Golightly so you could do something completely different with it. I, to be honest, I'm quite pro... I want this to come, come across the right way. I'm pro-remakes- in principle. I think there are some movies that should never ever be touched. Such as um, In the oh, Name of know, the King, really a Dungeon Season Tale. <laughs> <laughs> as Ali um, suggested. Yeah. Um, there are some movies that shouldn't be touched, but for the vast majority, you know, why not have a have a tinker? Because quite frankly, some of the greatest movies of all time are remakes. The Wizard of Oz, technically a remake, His Girl Friday, technically mm. a remake. Mm. You know, somebody might be able to do better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just um, not psycho. The old the old example is, of course, people remake, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see it, uh, remake plays all the time, you know, mm. otherwise there'd be just one Hamlet and then we wouldn't be able to see it. We exactly. Wouldn't, we wouldn't have Keanu Reeves' as Hamlet.
1: We, well, sadly we don't. I don't believe that was caught on film. Damn it. It was but supposed it's, to be good, though.
2: It's the old adage about they should remake films that didn't quite work the first time around.
1: Yeah. Or where there's a legitimate other way to go, I think, mm-hmm. is an interesting one, but...
2: If they ever remade Indiana Jones, any of the, they could do Crystal Skull again, but if they remade the original trilogy, I'd be Ooh. very, very, very upset.
3: Yeah, there's oh. something about that. There's something about like those established kind of, you know, Star Wars, I mean, it, yeah. It, Jaws.
2: But Jaws. you can imagine yeah. them trying to do it at some point down the line.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Star Wars is always going to be trickier because George has the rights and it isn't going to let them go. But at some point, all rights, and Helen, as our resident lawyer, correct me if I'm wrong, lapse into the public domain so
1: eventually yes
0: eventually they will so I'd imagine we'll be dead thankfully by the time that happens
1: although the, the rate they're trying to extend copyright right these days nothing may ever lapse into the public domain again so it'll be fine
0: that's fair enough isn't it though I mean you yeah. don't agree with
1: that uh,
0: th- as a resident lawyer
1: beyond a certain point I think copyright becomes a little bit um, dangerous Anyway, that's a very long legal discussion which nobody wants to hear.
2: If you want to hear that discussion, you can tune into <laughs> our separate legal podcast. Which just to is... just to add to what I was saying about Indiana Jones, they could remake the Last Crusade if they fixed the one really bad blue screen shot with Vogel shaking his fist oh, yeah. at the Zeppelin. Oh I, 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 I watched it again on the weekend, that. and that could definitely be improved. Yeah, but leave Raiders alone.
1: Leave Raiders alone.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, there must be some bad special effects in Raiders.
0: No. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm disrespect no
0: no, no, no no outrageous it's brilliant uh, yeah okay cool I mean yeah, as a horror fan I've had to watch most of the uh, holy grail horrors of the 70s being tampered with and remade mostly terribly Halloween The Fog mostly John Carpenter <laughs> films uh, no one has ever touched I mean The Omen no one has ever touched The Exorcist and uh, I mean we've had films that are Lucy <laughs> Lucy Felt remakes but I don't know I don't think anyone's ever going to go near that one
1: I should hope not like I said Leave the classics alone
0: Leave the classics alone uh, At Feck Wanker Okay A friend of yours You think He says He's a long time caller First time listener uh, Films And this is his actual tweet Films which have been Most let down by Trailer slash Marketing campaign Go
2: I think he's saying we should go rather than go.
1: (laughs) I thought the go trailer was fine. It
2: was. I've got one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Something which I really like the film, but it had the worst poster ever. Uh, Cedar Rapids, which is the Ed Helm uh, movie. (laughs) Do you remember that that poster? It only came out last year. He's carrying a bunch of bags and just standing there looking awkward. No, no, not that one. It's just his face, but he's he's doing (laughs) the weirdest expression and his teeth are too white. Seriously, Google Cedar Rapids. Look at the poster. It's horrific. And actually... I was thinking about buying the the DVD or Blu-ray or what have you, but I do not want that on the (laughs) shelf. It's that bad. I don't have a good
3: example of this. I think, no offence to fair (laughs) quanker, but I think a more interesting question would be, perhaps for another podcast, is what movies got you really hyped for them by watching the trailer? And then you watched it and went, wow, that trailer was a well-executed piece of marketing. BS.
1: Well, one of the examples I was going to give was precisely that, which was the Matrix sequels, because both of them had such good trailers. I was like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Even, notably, Revolutions, despite me already having seen Reloaded. (laughs) I still thought there was hope. Um, because the trailer was so much better than the film and I still think those trailers stand up shorter the films not so much well maybe that was that why helps. they were better <laughs> yeah
2: you think of a bad trailer poster
0: uh, I, usually Nick Cage posters <gasps> aren't that good um, I'm thinking of was it Bangkok
1: Dangerous. Film. Bangkok Whoa. Dangerous where he was, was twisted terrible.
0: he was contorted in some horrendous Fashion holding guns, and they clearly weren't. It was so badly photoshopped. They'd photoshopped the gun out of him. Yeah, it
3: had they? No, oh, that's what it was. I like to think of myself as the guy in charge of the badly photoshopped movie poster features on Empire Online. So I have looked at quite a few absolute stinkers. Recently, The King's Speech had an American poster which looked like it had been assembled with kind of sticky tape, and someone had spilt some paraffin on the top and lit it. It was it was actually horrible, and. You know, once you put you know a poster into the public domain, it's everywhere. So that was the poster that a lot of Americans saw. It was essentially tagged all those um, U.S. movie sites.
1: Uh, Whip it in the UK had a pink poster, which I thought was a bit disappointing. It's it like this is cool, about girls. Yes, uh, quite quite a cool grainy poster in the in the U.S. But here it was kind of girly. I was annoyed about that. But apparently, when I wrote about that in our blog, I very much upset everybody involved in the marketing because, given that it had underperformed in the states, they'd been actively trying to do something different. So I can appreciate it's a difficult thing to do, but I still hate the pink poster.
3: I uh, was looking at the Blade Runner original trailer. There's this new Blu-ray re-release for Blade Runner, the 30th anniversary edition, and they recut it, and there's none of the Vangelis stuff, which I thought was a bit odd. But I look back at the original trailer, and it's about three and a half minutes, maybe four minutes of nonsensical intercut mash of scenes. It's terrible. I mean, it Mm. doesn't explain anything to do with the film. Not that you want the film entirely explained, but if I were watching it for the first time, I'd have gone... I'm not saying that—that's just weird.
0: Yeah, well, we've discussed this before with the infirm when he's been on the podcast, uh, on this frequent appearances and how trailers in the sixties and seventies were so different, and usually gave away the entire film, mm-hmm. and people didn't bat an eyelid, and had these really weird voiceovers. It, that just didn't quite work. I'm quite, I'm I'm fairly happy with the way trailers have evolved. Uh, the one that the trailer that I saw recently, I don't think it was actually meant to be released on the internet. I think someone may have stolen it before it was finished. It was for the Nick Cage, uh, John Cusack film, uh, The Frozen Ground. Uh, Where Kuzak's a serial killer and Cage is a dogged cop hunting him down and it was just dreadful it was about three three and a half minutes long and it just seemed to be a, a melange of scenes just stuck together randomly and it probably wasn't finished in fairness but yeah that, that was the worst one I can remember for a while
3: Going back to the example of a trailer being far far better than the actual film uh, in a game example do you remember that Dead Island trailer came out which was a kind Terrific of memento trailer. going backwards this kind of baby falling through the air of a window incredible piece of marketing please watch the trailer it's very very good but the game is never
2: worth playing it is superb another one you mean
0: ok so at Shane underscore Murphy underscore 95 says and this, this is about to kick off uh, your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries what don't worry he's not saying it about us oh. he's quoting Monty Python the Holy Grail and he says what are your favourite movie insults
2: I'm going for Steve Martin in Free Amigos as yes. I so often do <laughs> Um, scum Sucking Pigs and Sons of a Motherless Goat Oh, well, that's a good one
1: I had noted down Sons of a Motherless Goat as well also Steve Martin in in Roxanne even though all the insults are directed at himself oh the 20, 20, in the 20 insults scene yeah. yeah and that of course comes from Cyrano de Bergerac and the, the French version is also amazing
0: that was a very very early classic scene in Empire
1: As the it, very first as classic as scenes rightly it should be um, and then I also like You Warthog Faced Buffoon from <laughs> Princess Bride
0: uh, It's hard to get past Nerf Herder in Star Scruffy Wars look yeah. looking Nerf Herder uh, Walking Carpet also uh, from <laughs> Star Wars uh, I love and Ali get the bleep machine ready Blade Trinity the only good thing to come out of Blade Trinity you cock juggling <laughs> thunder c*** <laughs> uh, which Ryan Reynolds the newly married Ryan Reynolds congratulations sir if you're listening and I know you are uh, he says that and it's just one of the best one of the best swears ever well done him Ali what do you got
3: my one is uh, from The Rock and I'm going to v- the Rock, as in the
0: Nick's friend, The, rock, and yeah, the no, no, rock. No, 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 my, no.
3: no.
2: My, oh, <laughs> Sean <my buddy. laughs>
3: Connery and uh, Nick Cage. It's a Nick Cage podcast this week. Uh, is I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but Sean Connery going, Womack you piece of shit." You yes, of I shit. love that. I always say that because it's such a simple insult, and there's something about it that makes me want to say it in his voice all I'm the sure time. On Womack you piece of shit. <laughs> That's an amazing. Oh, it's the, the best.
1: Also, Princess Leia to Moff Tarkin when she's brought on, on the Death Star. I know. should have, uh, yeah. I should have recognised your, your foul stench, stench when I was brought, board. I was brought aboard. Mm-hmm. She's got a great way with an insult. That yeah,
0: happens. she's good, isn't she? She's all right. Um, I like Short Circuit. Your mama was a snowblower. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Explain always, that. That's always stuck with me. Um, is that bad?
2: No. Johnny, Johnny no, Five no, is okay.
0: insulting one of the robots he's after me. He goes, hey, laser lips. Your mama was a snowblower. <laughs> um, which always seemed really rude to me as a kid. And maybe it was intended so. I don't know. But that's one of my favourites.
1: According to the movie Stepmother, -hmm. Or stepmom, Stepmom. I think it was. Uh, That is a very rude term. Is it? Yeah. Snow blowing is is a thing. Is it a thing? It's a thing that I'm in no way going to.
0: To Urban Dictionary! (laughs) Someone do a link while I I look this up, for God's sake. Yeah, so I like movie insults. They're good. But didn't we do a feature in this ages ago?
1: Yeah, we used to have a movie insult generator on the site back in about 1995 where you could click a button and get insulted. We okay. should bring that back
0: We should bring that back uh, That happens to be In my everyday life Obviously So if you have Any favourite movie insults Then do uh, tweet Or email them to us Cool Let's move on to an email From Alan White He says Have you ever had to be Evacuated from the cinema uh, Then return to finish <laughs> Watching the film That is the weirdest Question we've ever he, he goes on. I to, really like that question He goes on to explain Kind of like an Unscheduled intermission uh, well, As youngsters We had to leave A screening of The Adventures Of Baron Munchausen Due to a car fire
2: In the vicinity <laughs> <laughs> We watched the firemen Put out the fire And then returned turned to really watch kind of the film well I was going to say uh, watching Eastern Promises it went really weird in the middle of the film like Viggo Mortensen suddenly had a scar on his face that he hadn't had in the previous scene and we were like oh they're doing something really arty and so everyone <laughs> started stroking their chins and then it turned out they put the reels in the wrong order <laughs> <laughs> so they had to stop for 20 minutes when they fixed it but I still have no idea what's going on in that film Uh Oh, I
1: had one of those ones The one I remember is I went to see The Mothman Prophecies I was young I needed the film going Anyway (laughs) and, um, And basically Something started to go A bit weird with the projector And it nearly burned a hole In one bit of the film What? Yeah And then they kind of Stopped it for about Five minutes And then restarted it And then it basically Burned up Completely, um, a little bit. A little while after, and it all genuinely seemed thematically tied into the film. and We were wondering, like, is this one of these things? Like, you know, at the end of the credits, on was it Gremlins two, where there's kind of like a fake fire?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is that is that what's going on? But no, it was a genuine fire.
0: Didn't this happen last year? Where um, yeah, there was a screen of Screen Four. They they just got the print in UK and they screened it at I think the Soho Hotel, the Soho Hotel here in London, and. Uh, there was a fire and so they couldn't screen for everyone and so there, there was this feeling that there was some sort of conspiracy so to stop say.
3: journalists watching right. scream Four. when i went to watch the dark Knight with money cash at a regular cinema the sound and film were out of sync and then eventually got so bad it was like a separate scene but i couldn't leave because it was in the middle of the dark night and i hadn't seen it before i'd been waiting so long to see it so i kind of a lot of people got up and left and were booing or whatever and i i really had a crisis of should i go i eventually oh left and had to rewatch it again but i was so pissed off of course i got like my money back or whatever but it really doesn't make up for it at all well, i had
2: a similar experience but different reaction because when end of days came out i went to see that at the cinema with a friend and the sound cut out for the part uh, the last 10 minutes of the film but no one got <laughs> up no one could be bothered to get up to tell anyone so everyone in the cinema there weren't many people in there to be fair but Everyone just sat there, watched the last 10 minutes in silence, and then just left. I don't think anyone was that bothered. Oh, bless. Still have no idea how we beat the devil.
0: It's time to get the competition out of the way. Uh, last week's competition offered three readers a chance to win two tickets to the Picture House of Cinema of their choice, as long, of course, as it's in the UK and it actually exists. The question was, what is the name of the Picture House of Cinema, or as my dad would have said it, Picture House, this is old fashioned, in Brighton? And the answer was, of course, the Duke of York's. So there you go. Congratulations to. Richard Turner, Charell Muller, and Glenn Newman. Someone from Picture Houses will be in touch very, very soon. Congratulations to you all. This week's competition gives five listeners a chance to win a DVD copy of indie comedy Jeff Who Lives at Home, starring Jason Siegel and, yes, Ed Helms. I wonder what the poster's like. Uh, to stand a chance of winning, the ridiculously easy question is: name the U.S. sitcom in which Jason Siegel stars. The U.S. sitcom. Oh, it's Jason Siegel stars. There you go. To enter, send your answer, your name, your address, your clothes, your boots and your motorcycle to our email address, which is podcast at empireonline.com. And you can use the same address to get in touch with us about anything that's on your movie mind. You can also tweet us at at Empire Magazine and please use the hashtag Empire Podcast or you can message us on Facebook. Coming up, our crack addicted team get to grips with the week's movie news. Okay, now it's time to have a gander's at the movie news coming out of Hollywood and other areas this week. I pretend like any of it ultimately means anything in the grand scheme of things. Helen, what have you got for us? It's gloomy. I know, a little bit, wasn't it? We're all going to die. Let's <laughs> be honest. No. <laughs> I love this podcast. Subscribe. Yeah, subscribe to it. You might as well. While it lasts. (laughs) We're all going to die, but still. Uh, Um, There you go.
1: Right, so yes, my news is about Pacific Rim, the new Guillermo del Toro film, and the news that it is going to be post-converted into 3D, Mm. which has come out today. Now, this is something of a surprise, because um, I went on set, actually, for the magazine, and Guillermo del Toro talked for... Somebody asked him, is it going to be 3D? Are you shooting in 3D? And he said quite clearly, no, because... Um, the scale of these things... I mean, the the monsters and the robots in the film are, you know, 25 stories tall. So the scale means that as we perceive them naturally, they wouldn't look 3D. They're too big. If you're going to be far enough back to actually take in the spectacle, it doesn't look 3D anyway. So it doesn't actually... Add anything. He used complicated terms about focus that I didn't really understand and I just nodded my head. Was He's it, a very was it smart man.
0: Small and far away was that what he said. I didn't
1: quite get my head. It sounded like those words, but they didn't <laughs> mean anything to me. So it's a bit of a surprise, really. I mean, I guess I'm sure it'll look great in the sort of the smaller stuff, the, you know, the, the kind of human scale stuff, but I'm not sure it's actually going to add anything to the monster stuff. So, uh, yeah. Huh. I mean, on the bright side, I guess post conversion three D jobs are sometimes getting better. The Avengers was quite good, Mm -hmm. um, but I think that you shoot things differently if you know they're going to be in three D. So it's it. You know, it would have been good to make this decision beforehand.
0: On the other hand. They they say that there is obviously a three D bump for a lot of three D movies. Is, not yeah. all three D movies. So anything that you know gets Pacific Rim, which I hope will be great. Absolutely, you know, gets a Guillermo and del Toro movie, uh, you know, to a decent box office figure would be uh, would be good. But yeah, I kind of I know what you mean. I, I know where you're coming from in this one. It does seem a little bit, so yeah. But yeah, yeah, hopefully they haven't interfered with the actual film.
1: Well, I'm sure Guillermo del Toro himself is is, is still very much in control of what goes in the film. So
2: absolutely, hey. There'll be a 2D uh, re-release at the same time Yeah, and it's going to be yeah, yeah, Which I imagine we'll we'll
0: probably see there will be us four and Mark Kermode (laughs)
3: Ranting about 3D Ali, do you have any uh, opinions on this? I was just thinking Aside from the Avengers And even I didn't think the Avengers in 3D Was all that much cop What 3D, you know, post-work Has actually worked well That you thought, actually You know what, that was pretty good Or benefited in any way It was Titanic
0: I guess yeah, but that's that's a question of a, a guy throwing a lot of money at it and making sure it's done right. When we right. know for the most
3: part it's done very very quickly for a, a you know a bit of a rush job. Clash of the Titans is the one that really put me off. This as a concept, uh, ha- having watched that, uh, endured that, maybe uh, having had it forced down my eyeballs. I don't want to see that as a general oh well of course they were doing a 3D d really. well, I
1: think the point is that they have in fairness come a long way since Clash I mean even Wrath was slightly better than that and that was another post-conversion job
0: Harry Potter was post wasn't it
1: it was yeah again decent but I, I, it's the same I think with any non-3D movie that's converted you would shoot differently if you were shooting in 3D were- so things like you know somebody in the foreground being slightly blurred because that's the, the way it works in 2D but then it, it it shouldn't be that way in 3D yeah but true Stuff but, like but Joss
0: Whedon knew that he wasn't shooting the Avengers in 3D because he did yeah. a 3D test and it, it nearly destroyed him Yeah. so he knew it was going to be post. So.
1: but even then there, there's, there's, there are shots in that where you have exactly that scenario I just described where yeah. it's somebody a, sh- a shot over somebody's shoulder and the shoulder's out of focus because that works in 2D um, but it shouldn't be in 3D okay
0: if you want to read more about Pacific Rim Helen's amazing uh, 2D article <laughs> Is still available in the uh, new current issue of Empire, which is on sale,
2: in all good and evil news agents right now, and also for the iPad. So there you go, Nick. What have you got for us? Well, I was wondering which uh, news story to to bring up, and and I thought, as I often do, about my best bud, The Rock, oh, and. Gosh. Uh, gosh. You know he Spends one, our- one night In a car park with him One night in the car park That sounds
1: a bit rude yeah, <laughs> It does, doesn't it, it?
2: it You know I should point out There were other people there What happens in the car park In Surrey <laughs> it Stays in the car park in Surrey No it, was, it wasn't as glamorous As it sounds We were standing near a bin And uh, <laughs> it was fi- almost 5am um, And we were both Extraordinarily tired But during our conversation uh, I asked him About the uh, events That had happened About a week before Which had been widely reported In British newspapers About him thwarting A gang of would-be burglars the Sun, I believe, re- reported this. According to The <laughs> Sun's headline, he was grappling with uh, a group of hardened criminals. And I asked him about this, and it is um, almost complete hooey, if I may use that word.
1: Steady on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel very strongly about this. I, I don't, I don't apologise for using Um But basically what was happening was he was doing a scene with Gina Carano, who in Fast 6 plays his new... Um, I don't know what the word is. Sidekick assistant. Sidekick in his team of, of crack Crime Stoppers. And they were doing a scene where they climb a wall, drop down, and then run Spoiler. towards the camera with their guns and badges out. This is like a live set visit report right here. This is amazing. <laughs> so, what happened was uh, this gang of would be nerdy do um, <laughs> were malingering um, near a canal and they were up to no good. I'm still not sure what they were up to. Yeah, hatching some diabolical scheme. Uh, when they looked up and saw Dwayne Johnson charging <laughs> towards them with his automatic weapon out and I'm referring not to his gun. Yes. <laughs> and uh, they assumed he was coming to thwart their uh, said scheme and uh, ran for it. And wow. so that's what happened. And... So he didn't, he didn't bust any heads. He didn't bust any heads. He didn't do any grappling. Yeah. And uh, it was completely accidental. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the story. Not what you've read. That's what, what he threat. says. That's
1: what he says. He, let's face it, he could have grappled with him. That's the thing that matters.
0: Yes, absolutely. Of course, if you are a ne'er-do-well, threatening, planning to uh, take on The Rock, bring a, a whole bunch of Krispy Kremes. I believe they're his weakness.
1: They are, yeah. yes.
2: They're Just leave first... a trail out. Did
1: you Did you bring Krispy Kremes for The Rock, Nick? <laughs>
2: I didn't bring any oh, foodstuffs he doesn't he, look like he eats a lot of Krispy Kremes well was, no that's
1: true at the moment I think actually but you know back in the day
2: hurt. well exactly
1: which is why I, I brought him Krispy Kremes it is amaz- it's on.
2: amazing just to watch him doing what he does because between each take the other actors just kind of stand there and wait for it to be reset and he, thought he was running laps around the car park he was pushing his arms against this pillar he was like doing some kind of gym workout between every take. It was astonishing. He was just flirting with you. <laughs> he was we were just going, uh, but you
3: can't do this many push-ups, Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, next
2: time I see him, I'll, I'll, I'll do some,
0: some push-ups engine. in front of him. BFFs. Text him. Text him now. I'll wait, 100, The Rock. That's got to be his number, right? I can't
2: give that kind of information. <laughs> <now.
0: laughs> there was an amazing moment last week um, where um, I was going to tweet what I thought Daniel Craig's phone number might be. And smart people might be able to figure out what I thought it might be. And then I thought, well this might be quite dangerous. And so I called it. And it turns out it's actually a real number that belongs to a real bloke. Can you imagine
2: like, you go, Hello is
0: that is that James Bond? No it's not fucking James Bond. Thanks, stop calling me
2: and hung up. Yeah. The number had lots of zeros and sevens in in case anyone's confused. Yeah. It's like James Bond's phone number.
0: What would James Bond's mobile phone number be? Right. Deep breaths. Ali, what do you got for us?
3: What I've got for you are two new stories. Ooh, what Overachieved. You were told one. I gave you two. Uh, they are both kind of the same thing, but not really the same thing. Oh, both the Star Trek sequel and the 300 prequel, parallelquel, somethingquel, have <laughs> new names. What? Um, oh. oh, the first one. Let's start with Star Trek because, let's be honest, it's slightly more interesting than 300 parallelquel. <laughs> is that Star Trek will be called? Let me get this right. I want to get the exact intonation correct. Star Trek Into Darkness. No, no, no. Sorry. I don't think it's meant to be like, no. Let me try again. Okay. Star Trek Into Darkness. Ooh. Hmm. No colon. No colon. <gasps> All what? Into well, Darkness. Wow. Now, Simon Pegg was joking about on Twitter about the, what this meant. He said that, well, you know, Trek is a verb, so Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, and, and, you know, space is dark, so uh, that's cool. But Star yeah. Trek Into Darkness is a title with a colon.
0: It's no Without colon. Without a colon, it's a sentence. I don't see how that... Works. It's
1: a fragment. Actually, word would underline it and say it's "fragment." An L- an Consider L- revising. It's an L-
0: sentence, uh, but you know, it's, it's a, a hard bit noirish sentence. Uh,
3: but yeah, I don't know. All we can infer from it is that Star Trek Two will be slightly, perhaps, darker than the first one. No,
1: what? A if, sequel that's darker than the original?
3: Imagine that. Shut this the front door. What <laughs> would Khan say? Uh, so that's some news, if you want to call it that. The three hundred other thing is being called Rise of an Empire. So that's three hundred colon. Oh, it's got a colon. That's right. Okay. Rise of an Empire.
1: Oh, it's about us. Oh, wow. it is. Oh. It is.
0: And the, the bloody origins of empires. So simply, Sullivan Stapleton stars as Barry McLaheny, mm-hmm. uh, fighting the suited Emap, trying to get Empire off the
3: ground. That's right. And Q as a cameo. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Amazing. Um, it was originally tentatively titled Xerxes. Uh, because of, you know, Xerxes and then it was using a working title of Battle of Artemisium now somebody Ar- some Artemisian. suit oh, yeah. C- yeah. Call it that The fact that I can pronounce it And I have the word in front of me Makes me wonder whether people Who are asking for tickets Could go Two battles for <laughs> Yeah 300 <laughs> I suspect All that's right, the I'll reason For Star Trek and well. <laughs> yeah. So they've changed that And uh, you know
0: That's good Everyone at the end of the day Is just going to ask for Two tickets to Star Trek 2 And two tickets to that 300
2: please that 300 that's, 300. that's what's going to happen Presumably the um, The colon From the new Star Trek film Is Gone into hiding with the apostrophe from two weeks' notice.
1: (gasps) Please don't remind us.
2: Which is the most upsetting, previously the most upsetting movie title. Mm. What about 30 Minutes or Less? 30
1: Minutes or Less, yes. Which should
2: have been 30 Minutes or Fewer.
1: Well, actually, because I I interviewed the filmmakers at Comic-Con last year, and they said, we know it should be 30 Minutes or Fewer you know and as grammar nazis it upsets us but it is quite a famous slogan in the states so they had to kind of go with it so there you that go that's true okay
0: uh, thanks guys <laughs> coming up we have the directors of paranorman uh, they're gonna drop in and we're gonna hide behind the sofa other oh, lovely fellas really it's always good to see Brits doing well abroad unless, of course, our Brit is Helen winning millions on a slot machine when she's from Vegas in two weeks' time which I really Woohoo!
1: Hope Vegas, Helen. baby!
0: Uh, two such Brits are Chris Butler and Sam Fell the writers-directors of spooky stop-motion animated comedy Paranorman. Play popped into the pod booth earlier this week to talk ghosts, ghouls and goblins with Helen and Ali.
1: All right, well, welcome to the Empire Podcast. We have two very special guests today. We have Chris Butler. Hello. And Sam Fell. Hello. Together, collectively, the directors of Paranorman. So welcome
4: thank, thank you. you for having us mm. so
1: making a stop motion film I read a quote somewhere that said it was comparable to the space programme
5: Yeah. yes or yeah. building a cathedral yeah more we low tech actually about. yeah much more low tech yep. than the space programme yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah a bit yeah. medieval very just... medieval craft you know very crafty you know like full of like old fashioned crafts in a way you know like set buildings carpentry metalwork. you know and then we've plugged in this kind of 21st century element into it now where we use we use computers mm. to mm. extend the work World, make it bigger, make you
4: know crowd scenes. It's like Luddites embracing the loom. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and of course the cathedral analogy neatly brings up the word Gothic as well, because you know it's a zombie movie. But Ooh, don't yeah. you dare
4: say Gothic. Gothic's to us. <laughs> not allowed. Not, oh really? No, yeah. we don't do Gothic. We we're do more... uh, we do schlock.
5: Yeah, <laughs> we're from the movies. You know, we we're, we're not from old-fashioned horror you know we were influenced more by like 80s horror movies you right. know like you know and you know john carpenter was a big one yeah. for yeah right? it was actually
4: a very real consideration at the very beginning because um stop motion always has a foot in the kind of creepy it always has one foot in the shadows mm-hmm. if you like and a lot of people ha- you know when it when it was revitalized with uh, tim burton and yep. nightmare before christmas and henry Selick, um it it kind of that, that's that set a definitive style almost, which was very much influenced by thirties, forties, fifties, B movies, a lot of gothic, a lot of black and white yeah. curlicues. Basically there's all these signature elements um that, that say Tim Burton and it's it's actually kind of difficult to get away from that. So from the outset we were like, We need a different perspective. We need our own voice. We there's no point aping those guys because they do what they do so well. We wanted to do our own thing, and that's Why we looked at like seventies and eighties and the lurid technicolor of like the Italian horror movies?
1: There is a lot of bright kind of ghoulish colours in here. Mm -hmm. There's quite a lot of a kind of lime green
5: as applied to skin tones. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) zombies. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely very much a colour movie. Like Chris says, you know, like it didn't want. It's definitely not monotone. So can we expect
3: really arcane references on the walls? Are there posters in Paranorman's room where you can go that's
4: a reference to a 1941 Yes, yeah, undoubtedly But Uh, more from the 70s and 80s though, really? Yeah, Yeah. although it's hard to control to be honest, I mean, (laughs) you know, there's 330 crew members and if you think about how many people are actually working on these sets and designs Mm -hmm. we have, you know, there were a lot of gags and references in the script but then from there it's like an avalanche and you just can't stop it, you've got to all these you know movie geeks doing their own little thing adding their own little touches we don't even know no. how many jokes mm. and references yeah are we in were movie. seeing stuff in post-production you know we we're like oh look at that you yeah. know i
5: never noticed that before mm. yeah
3: You've also got a fantastic voice cast, and i, I say this as a compliment, but I, I found out at the end often
5: who it was that
4: yeah, they were, yeah, yeah,
3: good, yeah, because they were
5: acting their
4: characters, yes,
3: yeah, felt them rather than going, well, that's obviously John, yeah, Smith. Yeah. Good. yeah.
5: We wanted them to disappear into their roles, you know, like good actors do, you know. We—we we, um, actually designed the characters first, so we had the visual of them pinned down at the beginning and so then we were our process then was to lay out those designs on the floor and like listen to a a short list of actors that we were thinking for those roles but we didn't listen to them in movies we listened to them just in their everyday life we listened to them doing interviews or just chatting on youtube and stuff so we got to hear them their naturalistic voice and and it was surprising who landed well you know like
4: casey affleck landed so well for mitch And you would never have expected that. He's a very smart guy when you meet him. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met, and yet he plays dumb incredibly well. Yeah,
5: because he's so thoughtful, actually. In his natural voice, he thinks a lot, so there's a lot of umming and ahhing going on in his voice, and that just... Gives it a re- gives it a reality, you know, which is yeah. what we wanted through the whole film.
4: Yeah, and it fit yeah. our sensibilities. Actually, it fit the narrative too, because I'd say a big thing in the movie was not judging a book by its cover. It's that turning things on their head, and it, a lot of the casting did that. Christopher Mintz-Plasse playing a bully, for example, is is very much against type. Um, so we did have a lot of uh, a lot of fun with the casting. Yeah, yeah.
5: Some
1: of the the design of the characters themselves as well is quite it's quite bizarre in, yeah. in a way Ooh. in a good way but yeah. it, it, I mean I'm thinking of uh, Norman's mum for example she's mm-hmm. got a very odd kind of sh-
4: she has. Duck shaped fa- duck face, face. yeah, yeah. Yes.
5: well our character designer's is a real observer of the real world actually you know so a lot of it is inspired by reality but she's quite she has quite an acerbic eye I think you know mm. and so quite satirical It's a, in some ways a satirical film and so she just takes reality and just pushes it just a little far but what was great is she did it to everyone so even the <laughs> even the beautiful people like courtney and mitch who in a, in a live action movie would be kind of perfect she, she made
4: them imperfect mm. i think it takes a special kind of illustrator or designer to really embrace grotesque mm. and make it work and she did and again it, it fit what we were trying to do with the story we weren't trying to create this uh, you know picture postcard perfect animated whimsical town where you know all the paint is freshly you know applied and there's Apple pies warming on windowsills. We we wanted peeling paint on picket fences. We wanted trash in the gutter, and we wanted ugly people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like you say, the town's rotten around the edges, and if yeah.
5: it's, if it's the story, you know, this Thanks. this town hasn't sorted out their. Problems, You know, There's a, an, a, a, the curse is based on something very wrong that happened 300 years ago, mm. and they haven't fixed it. They've just tried to paper over the cracks. Mm.
1: And it gives them kind of more of a link to, to the zombies. It, it, there's yeah, less of a, right. a divide between the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 It was
4: all intentional. Mm.
1: Yeah. Brilliantly planned. <laughs> uh,
5: yeah, it yeah. was,
1: yeah. Mm.
3: This may just be my uh, highly honed journalistic skills, but <laughs> I think you might not be American.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. What gave it away? What all gave right. it away... You Gee, know what, oh I'm, no, they caught us out, man. Oh, I'm, I'm not, no,
3: I'm, no, don't do I'm not <laughs> I won't explain to you how I worked it out because, you know, it's a complicated, refined process. <laughs> but this is a very American, you know, yes, the whole yeah, uh, concept in a very kind of New England world of the yeah.
4: witches and, you know, the fallen leaves and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. always intended to be an American movie about American characters, and it's very much. Rooted in American culture, um, certainly the movies and TV shows that I grew up watching were American. Mm. I mean, actually, we—I'm sure we could all say that. All the, you know, it, it, if 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 I listed the movies that influenced the writing of this movie in the first place, it's all American pop culture. It's the Goonies, Ghostbusters, ET, Poltergeist. It's John Carpenter. It's John Hughes. It's Scooby Doo there's no British, no, British there uh, yeah. Bored.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the clangers yeah. William Shakespeare yeah, yeah.
4: And crossroads yeah
1: well there, there was some Shakespeare and Coraline maybe it's some kind of cultural exchange yeah,
4: okay. yeah. It's a little. Shakespeare's in everything I guess, well, if it's ah, but Coraline was, was set in England wasn't it the book and then yeah. we reset it in oh, Oregon yeah, but maybe, there was the
1: Shakespeare Festival so there was, yeah, 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 yeah.
5: It
4: was quite
5: yeah you know America though don't you just even if you've never been there you, you, mm. know why, you didn't have anybody going no, no 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 that would never happen all. you can't say no. that or... uh, yes actually did you
4: in yeah. the very early drafts of the script Ugh. I did have people going through it with a fine tooth comb like saying we wouldn't say that or you wouldn't you wouldn't spell that and uh, initially I was quite resistant I was like well I am <laughs> um, but yeah I had to embrace it wholeheartedly you know, it needed to be authentic and actually um, pretty early on I went out to Massachusetts and, and you know thoroughly researched the place that I was writing about in fact I stayed in, in the most haunted hotel room in all of Massachusetts did, did you see a ghoulie? nothing <laughs> happened <laughs> it was oh, such rubbish. a gargantuan disappointment just a bed in a room <laughs> yeah I was sat on the bed all night saying come on it's 3am coming <laughs> come and on the, me yeah they don't nothing. come if
5: you wait for them no it's I know just that kind of thing
1: a thing that's gotten a little bit of a press attention in the States has been the fact that there is a gay character in the film which is yeah. a first for an animated film mm. yeah. long overdue yeah
4: well first unless you count every Disney villain
1: <laughs> well yes first positive in that <laughs> yes case. Yeah.
4: Uh, out it, Yeah. Yes. Open. open first one to just yeah. mention it wasn't it yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's it's kind of just part of the fabric of the world isn't it you know like gay people are in the world you know and so our, our world we wanted to hold up a mirror to the real world you know and it. It's it's the first stop motion film that's really set in the contemporary reality in a way,
4: you know. So mm. so why try brushing things under the carpet? I also, think. you know, it's about intolerance and bullying, and I think, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna jump into something like that and and try and tell a story with meaning in that. Arena. then you've got to have the strength of your convictions. I think, um, you know, I wrote it in right from the beginning because I I wanted to make the audience complicit in this judgment. Every character in the movie is judging someone else. Even the good guys are misjudging people. And I kind of wanted to make the the audience uh, guilty of that as well. Um, So there's a lot of characters that that seem to be one thing, but then you kind of turn them on their head. And Mitch was one of them. Um, The reaction it, it I, I wouldn't say it's surprising but i do think it's unfortunate you know mm. it it's it, i think it would have been gutless of us not to do it I was wondering about the name. Paranorman mm.
3: seems to be the perfect name, and Is we have good, a gag yeah. in the magazine where we say the sequel should be called Claire Voyant.
4: <laughs> oh, nice! No, actually, they... you know, what about Mitchcraft? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> or Super Al supernatural Alvin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> were these were these on the long list? Yeah. <laughs> these were me being bored. <laughs> um, yes, I'll ha- I would love to say that he was called Norman uh, first, and then the title came, but that's not true. He was called Kevin, and He was also called Josh. He was called... He was called Many Names. And it was just called The Zombie Movie in my head. Ah. And then suddenly it was like... There yeah. you go. I can use a bad pun, <laughs> <laughs> awful wordplay. That'll work. There is, there is
1: no such thing as a bad pun. No. That's oh, such a founding yeah. tenet of our magazine. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I thought was was charming was that um, I think it was uh, Travis Knight described like itself as a band of misfits, and that this yes. film yeah. it basically kind of sums up the studio.
5: Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a perfect story for the, these bunch of people. You know, like we're all, we're all got into animation because we we probably had a lot of time on our hands when we were younger you know because we probably did we weren't so popular (laughs) we didn't have so many friends as other people a lot of glue a lot of (laughs) pain yeah you know you kind of just sit around quietly and kind of fiddle with things you know it's we're sort of introverts i guess
4: yeah it's that thing of you know the geeks have inherited the earth or at least the entertaining parts
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay and finally what's next for you what what mountains are left to scale you've Ooh. You've already pushed the budite a bit. From um, some yeah. motion, the so. dust
4: is still settling a little on this. I think we, uh, uh, we we're talking about most important, I think, for both of us is vacation. Not yeah. not together. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> Time uh, for a break. Yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. had enough of each other. <laughs> no, I, I think um, vacation and then more of the same, I think, or more of the different, should yeah. I say. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know really. I don't know whether,
5: because this is, I really feel like we I feel like we nailed it with this one. I personally, was stop, for stop motion for this type of film, and I don't know, I might have to go and do something different because mm. I'm not sure how I would make this better. Because I think it, I'm not. There's no element of it that I th- feel
4: unsatisfied yeah, with. so I very I feel of
5: kind it. of satisfied with this one. So. I, I, I want
4: to do some more writing, actually, not about zombies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do something else.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. um, Chris Butler and Sam Fell, thank you very much. Uh,
4: thanks thank thanks you for having us. Thanks for having us.
1: Nice guys. You're lovely, absolutely lovely. Was really good fun.
0: Good, excellent. I love Flushed Away. By the way, it's good to see uh, Sam doing well.
1: Definitely. That. Uh,
0: okay, so let's start the reviews section with Paranorman. Uh, so, what
2: are we making Helen, this is this. Is, what oh, the hell is that? Oh, sorry, guys. It's uh, hang on, let me check. Oh, it's it's my best bud, The Rock. Oh, for fr- I'm just gonna have to p- have what? to go take this. It's important. It's not, is it?
4: It's, it's, one it's one
0: of those, have you had an accident in the last six months' text, isn't it? <laughs> from The Rock. <laughs> yeah, from, from The Rock. It's an important text. I'll have you that. had a Rock-related accident? <laughs> well, bye right. Nick. Injury Lawyers for Rock. Go on, go for it. Go on. Bye.
2: Unprofessional. All right, sorry. Good luck.
0: Yeah, thanks, Nick. Say hello to Dwayne uh, for us. Right, let's start the review section with <laughs> Paranorman. Uh, Helen, what did we make of this one?
1: I really like this. I thought it was uh, a really interesting... Uh, Film for the animation section. I mean, there's a lot of kind of scary animated movies this uh, this year. There's also Frank and Weenie and Hotel Transylvania coming up. Yes. So this one has to make its mark. And what I think they've done here, obviously, first of all, it's from Leica Studios, who made the gorgeous and absolutely fabulous Coraline a couple of years back. Um, and what they've done is um, for this stop motion film it's kind of a zombie movie for kids they've kind of gone for like an amblin sort of a Gooniesy sort of a Scooby-Doo John Carpenter Monster kind House-y. of a vibe um, not well yeah but Monster House was also kind of riffing on all those yeah, films yeah. so it's kind of going way back even a little bit of John Hughes in there they've called it John Carpenter meets John Hughes in the interview and that's you know fairly fair but there's a lot of the Goonies in there there's a lot of Scooby-Doo and there's a lot of their own thing which is Kind of trying to bring a bigger story and a, a bigger, kind of more relatable story out in the middle of a zombie invasion
3: so what exactly happens who is this Norman character
1: well Norman is a little boy who can see dead people um, he's voiced by Cody Smith McPhee who was you know the kid in uh, The Road, the Road yeah. most notably let me in indeed um, he can see dead people which obviously makes him a bit of a loner a bit of an outsider Anna Kendrick voices his big sister Courtney who's just a completely brainless twerp frankly uh, Casey Affleck was cast very much against type as the jock who she has her eye on he's called Mitch <laughs> and uh, yeah and basically Norman's told by his uh, his great uncle voiced by John Goodman that he has to read from a book at a certain time to prevent the dead rising and he Ooh. doesn't quite manage it spoiler so uh, the dead rise and then he's trying to, to sort it out for the time basically
0: cool sounds uh, creepy, kooky, spooky, ooky all that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. but
1: but importantly I think not kind of gothic and I know they said this in the interview as well I don't want to repeat everything but it is very small town peeling paint kind of thing yeah we gave it three stars I personally would go higher
3: I personally think that three stars is about right. I enjoyed it. I think there was there was a lot of fun for me just watching stop motion being done so well. I mm. forget how engaging it is. There's something about watching these characters, especially obviously zombies, uh, come to life in this kind of staccato way. And there are jokes hidden all over the place. There are little gags. Obviously, if you're a 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even uh, horror or zombie fan, there's a lot to enjoy. But I didn't especially think... I didn't, didn't rock my world. It's by no means a bad film, but I didn't really connect with it. I found the actual character of Paranorman not particularly engaging, and I liked his little friend, who Aww. I forget the name of.
1: Neil? Was it
3: Neil? Neil, yeah, he's kind of a he's a ginger chap. Clearly um, he made an impact. He certainly did. No, I genuinely. I've, I've no, got he's ba- lovely, but I just, okay. just I've, I've got a bad memory. He's he's great. I found him much more engaging than Paranorman, uh, and I, I kind of wanted his own thing. He had all the funny jokes and did all the stupid stuff and fell over, which is my kind of humour <laughs> level. Uh, it's fun. It's good. Good, I but maybe wait for Frank and Winnie.
1: I don't know. I've seen both. I really like this one. Yeah, I like I like Frank and Winnie a lot as well.
0: Okay, well that's three stars. So if you have kids, go and see it. And
3: if you don't have kids, go borrow kids, just go <laughs> see it anyway. What should do, do, do? If you're a stop motion uh, aficionado and you get a big kick out of it, and to be fair, I do, and maybe mm. I'm being a bit unfair, you will definitely enjoy this. This is, uh, you know, this is the same guys who made Coraline. So if you watch Coraline and love it, please watch this film.
1: And if you haven't seen Caroline, see it at once.
3: OK, next up is a film that's in cinemas now,
0: or nah, as the characters in the film might have it. It is, of course, The Sweeney, the bish-bash-bosh update of the classic 70s TV show, which starred John Thaw and Dennis Waterman as Reagan and Carter, two cops who love nothing more than bashing down doors, nicking crooks and giving birds a right old scene. Too. Uh, the movie is directed by Nick Love and Reagan and Carter are played by Ray Winstone and Plan B himself, Mr. Bendrew, in a plot that sees him come up against a gang of ruthless bank robbers in old London town. Hayley Atwell and Damien Lewis, co-star Ali. What did we uh, shake and bake of this? Shake and bake, of course, make. Conkney, rhyming slang. Go.
3: Well, The Empire Review gives it three stars and makes very good points about it being a return to form. If you want to say that Nick Love never had form, that's fine. But in this case... It's actually pretty decent. A lot of people were writing this off before it even came to pass because they thought, "Well, Sweeney, that's a classic. How dare they? Nick Love, he made some reasonably tosh films. How, <laughs> how can they do this? What's going on here?" He actually delivers in, I think, maybe an aesthetic way. London looks great and he kind of has fun with it. There's a great shootout scene in Trafalgar Square, which you'll have seen in the trailer, which is good to see. They had apparently just a couple of hours to shoot it at about maybe 10 in the morning. They had to shoo people away and digitally sort things out. None of them could use any guns. Mm. Uh, So obviously it was all pew, 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 bang, bang, bang. The National Portrait Gallery. Yeah. yeah. There's not too much real-life violence that's allowed in there. Or, Ray- or, or
0: none. <laughs> or none, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: They frown upon. For preference. Yes. Ray Winston does yet another fantastic turn as Ray Winston really will this, yeah. knock your head to the yeah. floor and watch you cry. He is a strong, firm, I-don't-give-two-shits uh, Regan, and that's good. Plan B, reasonably good. I, I didn't really think much of him in this film. I, mm. I don't think he delivered that much. And maybe my biggest problem with this film is the bad guy. He doesn't really loom large as somebody you really want to see taken down. You don't really want to see his skull caved in. You just think, oh, right, that guy. So that kind of annoyed me a little bit.
0: But there are a couple of of
3: moments. It's it's fine. It's fine as things go It's it's good to see
0: a British film, um, a British action film, have ambition and scope and scale. I think Aran Creevy's Welcome to the Punch, which is another cop thriller set in London. Uh, with Michael Mann influences as this does I mean there's some great London cityscapes in this movie sure Um, I think that might be the cracker of the two and I that's one to look out for this out next next year I believe um, but this one's okay I mean it has some incredible plot contrivances there are for example there's a an internal affairs guy played by Stephen McIntosh who's investigating the Sweeney which is basically the flying squad and the London police and his wife Hayley Atwell's character who's having an affair with Ray Winston's character we'll get to that in a second um, she's part of the Sweeney now Conflict of interest. HR one? might get involved in this one and go, yeah, excuse me, should you really be investigating your own wife? I, I'm not sure if that works or not. Um, and then there are also, um, as we mentioned, there's a relationship. If you've ever wanted to see Ray Winston give Hayley Atwell a right old saying to, then this is the movie for you. And if you're one of the other seven billion people on
3: the planet, <laughs> then maybe avoid it. I, I do echo your sentiment in terms of this being a British film set in London that really has high... You know ambitions. Heat is all over it. Dark Knight as well is all over this. He really, obviously, is giving this both barrels, and I have to admire Nick Love yeah. for that. I, I
0: moderated a press conference with uh, the cast and Nick Love the other week, and he he said an amazing quote. He said, "You know, before this came out, you know, a remake of The Sweeney with me directing it, anyone's anyone's expectations would be low." <laughs> so, <laughs> so. He's fairly self-aware, I have to say But uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a decent job And no Danny Dyer Which is a, which is a boon Did anyone see his tweet this week? As, um, as, as yes. you know, it was the anniversary of 9-11 this week uh, On Tuesday And uh, you know lots of Hollywood celebrities were, were marking it With the proper sense of decorum and respect And Danny Dyer tweeted He went, oh, I can't believe it's 11 years Since them slags flew into the World Trade Center It really does me nothing yeah, He's not wrong
1: Okay. He, he, <laughs> he is right yep. he, is,
0: he is right uh, So that's At Mr D Dyer If you want to follow him For, for more gold like that As it is The Sweeney Three stars um, I will say one quick thing About the sex scenes Between uh, Ray Winston And Hayley Outwell Please don't No I, I've got to I've got to uh, They're not explicit Right Okay we see Ray Winston In tight yellow underpants That's
3: definitely echoing sex no beast by the way There's no thrusting
0: Next up, Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets on his bike for the first time since The Dark Knight Rises in Premium Rush. David Kepp's thriller about a bike courier who spends a day on the run from Michael Shannon's corrupt cop. Thoughts? <laughs>
1: um, I think Ali and I had a similar reaction to this, which has somewhat coloured our views on it. Isn't that right?
3: Yeah, if you detach yourself, imagine you have never walked past um, a big bunch of flowers on the side of a road which say we love you. Imagine you've never seen somebody Rear end on their bike In the back of a van Or never skewed off into a tree Imagine you've never seen that This film's good fun this I've never is, seen that You've never seen Flowers uh, On the Side of the Road? I've seen Flowers On the Side of the Road Have you seen you know a bike Kind of hit a car? I've never seen that Well,
1: on YouTube, maybe
3: No, that's great. Good good for you. You'll enjoy the film. more. I have. I mean, I, I cycle through London to get to work every day and I do see things like this prangs and and actually quite serious stuff. Roads being, you know, cordoned off because something really serious has happened. This is a movie that plays seriously fast and incredibly loose about the art of cycling in a big city. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Cycle Courier just kind of has no brakes and is proud of it, drives through town, ducks and dodges and weaves through traffic and people and cars crash just irregularly around him. And for me, I found that personally pretty shocking and, and quite unpalatable. But, again, as I say, if you are willing to distance yourself from that and that doesn't bother you, this is a kind of a romp, a cycle-based kind of thrill ride. I think, as Ollie says in the review, it's one of those movies you kind of put your hands in the air and go, "Way, it's fun, but you don't give it too much thought.
0: That's an interesting yeah, don't, argument it- against a film, but that's a little bit like saying... I yeah, know. You
3: Do you know anyone who's a victim of
0: gun crime, then gun crime, then don't go see The Sweeney.
3: I know. It doesn't quite work. But for me, as Helen said, we both felt this way. It's not a fair thing, because as you say, you know, you write a movie about anything, but there was something about its attitude that affected yeah, me. Yeah,
1: basically, it was... I mean, we don't expect, you know, care and consideration in your average action movie. Obviously, people act recklessly. That's why it's an action movie and not a, you know, Aaron Sorkin drama. <laughs> but... Even by the standards of acting recklessly, that what he did in his everyday life, even before he gets given this package and before he gets chased down by a cop determined to kill him, he's just incredibly reckless and such a bad example of uh, cyclists. He's the guy that Top Gear keep blethering on about when they argue against cyclists. And, and he's the guy that you get people actually saying, you know, cyclists shouldn't be allowed on the road. This is why this guy he's really bad uh, representation having said that the film is ridiculous but you know it's very fast-paced it, it, what it does is sort of cut the chase scenes instead of having them intersected with sort of thinky dialogue pieces it just intersects them with flashbacks to explain what the heck's going on so the chase never really stops you just flashback for a moment to see why this thing happened or why that thing happened interesting structure
0: yeah, no, yeah, I agree. And uh, it's an interesting New York movie as well. Yeah. And you know, it takes full fantasy locations and uses a map structure as well. We actually see the map on screen so you know where the characters are going, where they are at any given time. I saw someone complaining once about the geography of the... Uh, someone who doesn't live in New York complained to me once after seeing the film that uh, they thought the, the locations were unrealistic, not knowing that David Kep had actually... Taken this tour and lives in New York and knows the city <laughs> inside out, and so everything actually fits in. It's not like a, a London movie where someone comes into London, suddenly a Tower oh, Bridge one. Sherlock Holmes.
1: National yes. Treasure Book of Secrets, also Sherlock Holmes. Also, Ronin, the, the chase in Paris makes no sense geographically.
0: Yeah, but they're in France. Who cares? It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I much more up in Premium Rush than you, you guys seem to be. I thought it was light fun. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is called Wiley. It doesn't take a genius to work out. This is meant to be a, a live-action Roadrunner movie. Uh, and it is quite fun in that regard. Michael Shannon is fantastic as the corrupt cop who's both villain and uh, and sort of comic relief at the same time um, and it was just it wasn't quite what I was hoping for when I first heard that David Kep, who's a writer I really really like and some of his movies as director have, have been have been excellent if you've ever seen the, the Trigger Effect or uh, Star of Echoes and I was really really hoping for you know this to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt's speed and this would be his Keanu Reeves role it doesn't quite work out that way it's, it's very much a three star film but um, it is it is good fun
1: it is good fun I'll give it that it is that. good fun
0: and it's short as well so, it's about nice. so there you go uh, also out this week is Woody Allen's latest To Rome With Love which uh, Robbie Cullen of The Telegraph has been hilarious about on Twitter he's called it the worst film of the week no the month no the year um, which I find a little hard to believe that's it. a little yeah. hard uh, it's about a group of character actors it's not about a group of character actors they just basically you know, people like Alec Baldwin and Jesse Eisenberg pick up the phone and go yes Woody I will work for you in Rome um, and uh, also we have the British 70s set poltergeist drama When the Lights Went Out and that generates a decent amount of three star scares uh, to Rome with love. We gave three stars. Robbie Collin did not write that review. Uh, but garnering four stars and therefore making it the film of the week <laughs> I guess is Hope Springs in which Tommy Lee Jones and Meryl Streep saved her fading marriage with a little help from Steve Carell's counsellor. None of us have seen it. Uh, but there you go four stars so it's maybe one for the older podcast listener fans of gentle comedy drama or Mimi Rogers completists we know you're out there
1: we did call it Fifty Shades of Grey Hair in the review I think that's (laughs) worth mentioning
0: I like that Uh, and that is it for this week's Emperor Podcast Uh, join us next week for more film related fun where we'll be discussing the likes of Killing Softly the Brad Pitt thriller uh, Savages and a re-release of some film called Raiders of the Lost Ark Now with added gophers Presumably Uh, And we'll be talking to Olivia Williams The lovely Olivia Williams And the great Ken Loach That's right Ken Loach Will be in this booth Very very exciting times Until then It's goodbye from Helen Goodbye Goodbye from Ali Uh, Bye then I would say goodbye from Nick But he's already fucked off And uh, goodbye from me I'm not The Rock's friend
1: I am Shall I say goodbye?
0: Yeah you say bye
1: Bye Bye